recorded live from high atop our luxury studios in the San Francisco Bay Area, you're listening to Tech Move. This is episode 26. Today, we wrap up our discussion from our previous show with the feature, Fix It, Even If It Ain't Broke, the A7S II edition. We also discuss Keith's new revelations about the C300 Mark II, as well as his thoughts on buying an FS5. Blackmagic and DJI introduced some new products, and we'll talk about that. Plus, does Keith's new A7S II have a fatal overheating problem? Well, we'll find out. I'm Rod Louie, joined along with my partner Keith Moreau. Get ready! Time to roll on with another fantastic episode of Tech Move. Let's go! We're back here on Tech Move, Rod Louie, Keith Moreau. And uh, even though this isn't really part of the last segment of Fix It, even if it ain't broke, in some ways it kind of is because uh, I think Keith has discovered a couple of things uh, that we want to further the review about the Sony A7S II. And I think he wants to talk a, a couple about a couple other things he's discovered now that he's had it for a few days and he's tried it on a couple of things so uh keith let's let's get right in to what ails you or what makes you happy about the sony a7s2 yeah so actually there's just little things that of course i think could be improved so one of the things that i think is kind of annoying and i i, I know i noticed this on most um most most cameras actually, they have this automatic uh, switcher between the the uh, EVF and the back LCD. So when you hold the LCD away from your body uh, and kind of are just looking down on it, the LCD works. Right. And then when you put your eye up to the um, up to the EVF, then the LCD turns off. Right. That little sensor that's right by uh, the 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 looky glass is is there that. Pre- Indicates yeah. that you're right in front of it. Yeah, it's a little. I think it's an infrared sensor. Somehow it senses proximity. Right. But what 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 I find is that when I have the um, camera low, but not at my eye, but just low looking down, you know, with the LCD tilted up, because sometimes you want to get low angles. But I have it a little bit close to my body because you know maybe I want to. Yeah. It it will turn off the LCD. You know, it, it senses that maybe I'm putting my eye up to it. Right. That that sensor that detects it being blocked yeah. is just too sensitive, and it will it'll and on the A seven S two at least it was turning off like when it was pretty far away from my chest or, or my stomach or wherever I had it near. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hmm, that's kind of annoying. Is there a way to turn the thing on or off? Like on the GH four, there's an express button for it. It's on the left top side, and you can just you can just switch it off or on, and it will activate one or the other the EVF or the LCD. And that's kind of cool. Um, it's also automatic on the GH4, and and, and that's kind of cool, too. And it's not quite as bad as on the A7S2. But anyway, I looked, I was kind of researching it, and I found that you could actually kind of, you could put a little a little dimmer shield in front of the sensor that's on the A7S2 um, eyepiece. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, and that's the thing that I call that I found. It's they're called light dims, and they're a product. They're actually meant to dim the extremely bright, um, you know, blinding uh, LEDs and things that are on all your equipment in your bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> You know, have you noticed that that the indicators and LEDs and equipment is really bright nowadays? Yes, sometimes very bright. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, they're like little flashlights. Yeah, just beaming I, into your eyes at night. They're they're like night lights. Yeah. So this is a, a basically these little decals that are kind of see through, and they just dim. They're meant to just dim those those indicator lights on the front panels of all your gear, just to make them a little less bright. So, but I read that somebody used them to to reduce the sensitivity of the sensor on the on the uh on the EVF sensors. So, I ordered this, put it on the sensor and it just completely didn't switch at all. <laughs> like like it was always it was always in the mode where it thought that my eye was up to the EVF. <laughs> like it just didn't work. It right. was just like it was like adding a piece of black opaque tape to it sure or so. leaving your finger over the uh <laughs> over the eyepiece itself yeah so that didn't work so i figured okay well since i have this nice sticky thin stuff i'm just going to cut it up a little bit and see how how much i need to block of the a little sensor and the little sensor is just just above the where you put your where you see through so it's like a little like one maybe two millimeter by maybe three millimeter kind of clear plastic thing that's right above the uh, the actual eyepiece for your EVF. Okay. On the on the A7S2 anyway. So I just kind of I covered it halfway and it kind of worked okay. But I found a, a pretty good solution, which was to cover just like the la the left and the right uh, side of it and expose maybe two millimeters in the middle. And that gave me the perfect amount of sensitivity. Oh. Yeah. So it actually doesn't turn off when I have it kind of close to me. But it does turn off when my, when I have my eye up to it, huh. so it's just perfect. It's it's now it's just it's like better than switching it on and off manually. It's it's just perfect. So I would recommend if people want. It's actually really easy. You just pop off the. It's really you just pop off the uh, kind of little hood eye hood thing that's built in. Mm -hmm. Those just come off. Uh, apply a little bit of. It probably could just be regular tape. Honestly, you probably don't use the, need to use the light dims, but if you have them. You know, maybe we can give some of those away too, because I've got enough for an army of those too. <laughs> <laughs> and all you need is like a millimeter of it, right? Yes. <laughs> he has um, twenty yards of this stuff, and all he needs is a millimeter of it. Yeah, um, maybe I'll use it for some gear in the future. It's probably good to have. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, just pop off that that little hood, add a little blockage to left or right, leave a little opening, couple millimeters in the middle of that sensor and pop the thing back on, pop the hood back on and you're going to have a perfectly sensitive uh switcher for your for your EVF versus the LCD. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So and it's and it has made life easier. Oh yeah, it's it's on like demand, time, on demand on, whether you want the viewfinder or the screen doesn't really matter. Yeah, I haven't found it lacking. You know, mm -hmm. like I haven't found that Oh, it's too. It's not sensitive enough, or it's too sensitive. I found it to just be perfect, which is nice. So now I don't have to worry about it. I can kind of hold my camera pretty close to my body and look down at the LCD, and it doesn't activate, doesn't turn the LCD off. When I actually put my eye right up against it, then it works. Nice. Yeah. So you might want to. I don't know if you have something similar, but that might even work for your 
your camera if you have that capability. You, you, you know, uh, I actually have not found a problem with the original GH1 as okay. far as being able to switch between the two. Um, I, I think, it, like you kind of mentioned, like the GH4, Panasonic has that kind of has has a nice mix between those things, and I don't think they've really changed that very much. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah. So, so that, I haven't that's, found a problem. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. Um, anyway, other people out there, just, you know, just a little hint. It's actually really easy. Right. Um, okay, another thing that I found was that, that the iCup for the A7S II is, is just not that great for video. Because um, with video, particularly when you're outside, or even just for stability, you really want to have something pressed up against your face. You know, to get to get that nice stable thing that your head provides, and also just to see, you know, to really focus and see well, it's kind of hard to really get any kind of focusing going on with the LCD, right? You know, unless you have like a Zacuto Z Finder or something on it, which right. I'm not going to put on there. Well, but you the, you, w- you will not do that with your no, uh, E7S2. Honestly, no, because I think that the EVF is actually pretty darn good mm-hmm. on the A7S2. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I th- both the GH4 and the on and the A7s. And I think this one's even better. I think it's an OLED, and it's I think it's maybe higher quality than the previous one. So um, now I found it's actually pretty good, but just it's not comfortable. The one that's stock, it's just like the standard one that's on all you know DSLRs, which you know just clamoring for a nice eye cup. So I looked to see if there were any pre-made ones for the A7s, and there really isn't one out there that's kind of made for it. Um, there is one coming up by coming out by Hoodman, which is a company that makes all kinds of eye cups and little shields and stuff. But yeah, I, I remember tons, them. Yeah, I have tons of their stuff. Most of it's in a drawer now. But <laughs> <laughs> but you know, back in the DSLR days, you know, I collect all this stuff, and and it's kind of fun in a way. Just the Sony has kind of rekindled my kind of gadget, you know, um, messing with things fun that I had with in the DSLR days. Right, because in order to make it really work, you do have to kind of mess with it, <laughs> and then I get a chance to take out all the stuff that's been sitting in drawers for years, since I haven't used too many of the DSLRs um, for real, you know, handheld shooting and stuff. And it's nice to be able to have some of that stuff. It's it's just like that old cable you kept that <laughs> exactly would be useful for something. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway. Uh, so somebody I saw in some forum somewhere that somebody recommended a particular eye cup that would fit. So I found it on Amazon, and it's the Altura Photo sorry Altura Photo Rubber Eyepiece Eye Cup for Canon Rebel. Oh really? Yeah, and I actually had Canon a couple Rebel. other eye cups in my in my drawers mm-hmm. that I just collected over the years and really didn't use that much. And they were just really uncomfortable, like really hard plastic kind of digging into your skin around your eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody recommend this one is okay. So I ordered it. It's only $7. So um, I ordered it, got it, and it it fit over like most of the, like when I took off the, the, the uh, standard stock hood and put on this uh, hook cup, it kind of fit, but it didn't go down all the way, which was annoying. Hmm. Like, it, like, and I noticed that there's a little kind of raised part that's in that's on the in the, in the little channel that this thing slides into on the A7S2, like a little stop that's about two millimeters up from the bottom. Mm-hmm. 
So it just, it just, I couldn't slide it down. It just stopped at that point. So I took my trust, trusty handy little pliers and I just broke off the plastic. On the, I thought you were going to say you broke out your chainsaw or Dremel and just carved that little piece right out. So I was going to take my Dremel out, but then I said, yeah, I could just kind of break this thing off and uh-huh. nobody's going to even see Wait, it. Was that plastic? Was that plastic? It's just, yeah, it's just yeah. plastic. So I just mm-hmm. broke off a little bit of the edge, like a couple millimeters of the edge at the very bottom. And you right. can't even see what I broke off when sure. the thing's on. Sure. So I figured, you know, I didn't have to be too neat because nobody's going to see it and it's not going to make a difference. So, um, yeah. So I, I did, once I did that, I was able to slide it all the way down and it works great. I'm Fantastic. really happy with it. It's Fantastic. only seven bucks. And, uh, that's a great little fix. Yeah. And, and, and it does work well as far as, um, shading and all that kind of stuff yeah i find that it's maybe not quite as soft and flexible as the really professional ones like are that are on this kudo stuff Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or a couple of you know regular camcorders but it's good enough for now Mm -hmm. it's good enough for seven bucks and a little extra you know breaking off of plastic it's 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 (laughs) it's it's a I should have taken a photo of the little pieces of plastic that broke off of it. I mean, but. I'm I'm sure they're very I'm I'm sure they're very little. It's 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 probably um, it's probably just like a little frame that um it, it, oh it's like those hot shoe uh things that uh like stoppers so that you don't shove it all the way through, and you probably just broke off one of those ends. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's pretty much like that. It's it's just basically the edge of the little plastic. And yeah, it's, and it's and it's it's fine. And uh, just but if you order this, just you're gonna have to use your pliers. You're gonna have to get out your pliers, <laughs> and you're gonna have to basically break off the inner corners of the bottom of this bracket. So no. So remember, you know, no, avoid your warranty. But at <laughs> seven bucks, maybe you can afford that. So that that's what I'm figuring. I probably yeah. wouldn't do it with like a piece of you know three hundred dollars of kudo gear, but right. I'll do it with this, and it took you know literally a minute. Yes. So. Hey, and um, it works. Yeah. So yeah. So that's a little hint there. Um, and then Hoodman is coming out with one soon. So maybe I would wait for the Hoodman. But that's like thirty, forty bucks or something. So yeah. this this works really well too. The Hoodman might have a better quality eyepiece. Yeah. But um, yeah. So that's that. Um, another thing that 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 I've I've heard from a lot of people and kind of makes sense is that their their little LCD screens get scratched up really easily, and that's because. Like, you know, in the Panasonics, you can kind of flip it over and protect, and you can push the the glass part up against the camera so it's protected. Right. Correct. So you just have this pl- black plastic thing yep. if you want to. Yep. Um, they don't, you don't have that on the A7 stuff. The LCD screen, just like the Canons and the others. It's, it's just, just ex- exposed all the time. Yeah, it's just exposed. So I kind does of the, figured... Uh, does the A7S two have a articulating LCD screen or is it fixed? It's actually... Art- well, it's semi-articulating. It just tilts. Okay, just tilts. Okay, it doesn't doesn't come out like it. I think that the GH series is way better, like like a thousand times better than the. And always has been. It, it they, they they were really good. I, even way back with the GH one, they were like really great with that too. Yeah, so. they just for some, they just got it right. Like why you know why uh, Sony can't do this? I don't really know why they can't do this. I don't know why they can't make a fully articulated one. It took Canon like you know. Five years to do it, and, and yeah. isn't it true that Canon only did it on like a couple of cameras? It's not like widely used, right? Yeah, they just did it on some select cameras. Like it's not even on their super high end ones, right? Super, yeah, they just have that flat back. Yeah, thing, you know, and and in a way that that flat 
flat back thing is 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 good if you're just going to use a Z finder on it. Right. That's actually pretty cool. But but since the uh, you know since there is some tilting going on, the you can tilt basically you can tilt it so that you can have your camera at a low position, so you can look down on it mm-hmm. like a waist level viewfinder. Right. You can and then you can pull the the whole thing comes out about a little bit over an inch from the camera. And in that in that inch you can tilt it almost to ninety degrees upward and you can tilt it maybe forty five degrees downward. Hmm. So you can shoot from from below at about arm's length. You know, so you could hold it above your head at about arm's length up and still see it almost straight on. And then you can also uh go from below really far down. It goes ninety degrees actually over ninety degrees if you really want to. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. So that part's okay. The you know, of course the Panasonic's way better. But but so I got these little I got this um shield thing. It's called Expert Shield for your A seven S two and it's like ten bucks, I think. Screen protector. Yeah. Expert uh-huh. shield screen protector. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, remember I think last time we were talking about me getting the iPhone one. Correct. Um and all the pitfalls in that. Um this one this particular brand or whatever, I liked it a lot. It it was really easy to put on. It was just it seemed like I had less of a hard time with this than anything I've ever done before with regards to screen protectors. So Yeah, those are sometimes difficult to kind of jimmy around with and you have to just have it just right and then you usually end up peeling it off, loses its adhesive, put it back <laughs> on again, and then you've got air bubbles, the yeah. corners start to fold up. I hate them. Yeah, I know. And I've had similar experiences, but for some reason maybe I was just lucky, but I didn't get any dust on it under it. It just I placed it. I didn't have to reposition it, um, and it just worked. and And it's on there now, and I like it. <laughs> That's great. So I'm going to recommend it. Just have a little bit of patience and make sure you're you dust everything off properly, and and just take take a little time. Have and you're in I a did, clean room, and you're wearing a hazmat suit. Yeah, the hazmat suit is op- optional, but probably recommended. Right. You know, we can give you an Amazon link for the hazmat suits. <laughs> Oh, one thing that really helps is if you have a ball head and a tripod, tilt it so that the camera's facing downward so it's completely flat. Oh. Yeah. Or, and it's really stable. Yeah. um, Then you don't have to um, worry about it kind of moving around as you're placing it on. That's true. Yeah. So that's That's what, I think that's what I did with mine. Maybe that was the reason for my success. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, anyway. Yeah. So what else do I have? Any, I think... At least for the A7S at this point, I think that is it. That, you know, surprisingly, that's not too bad for you. <laughs> surprisingly, that, 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 that's, that's pretty darn good for you. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm proud of you, Keith. That's uh, so, so far so good. Um, I'm, I'm going to trust that in our next episode or two, You'll give us some real world feedback when you start using it a little bit more, you know, as it graduates from your C camera to your B to your A camera, so on and so forth. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll need a little bit more elaboration, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great, 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 great. Okay. Well, let's do this. That's enough on the A7S II, at least until the next segment. But anyway, uh, enough of the A7S II as of right now. Let us uh, take a little potty break, and uh, we will come back with more and maybe close out this show uh, of this newest episode of Tech.
It is Rod and Keith here on a uh, fantastic uh, final segment here uh, on Tech Move. And hey, uh, Keith, I have a question for you here. Um, I have been wondering about this, and uh, a friend of mine just purchased a um, really beautiful 75-inch LED TV uh, for his new home, and he auditioned it for me, and I got to watch it, and we were watching some, you know, fantastic uh, A7S2 footage uh, off of YouTube. Uh And And you're uh, running at YouTube's 4K mode? Correct, running it in four uh, in YouTube's 4K mode. Awesome, as well as of course GH4 material and so on and so forth. Right? Yeah, right. They look great. Yeah, you know, amazing. And you know, I'm marveling at my friend's screen, and it really <laughs> looks terrific. And what what brand was it? And all that? He he, he bought a Sony. He uh-huh. bought a Sony. Oh, those are expensive. Yeah, he 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 really went the whole nine yards and stuff like that. So uh-huh. he bought a really nice Sony monitor, really small bezel. Um, you know, fairly light for that size uh, TV set. Yep. Black as black can be, right? So right. Uh, terrific. But you know what? As I'm watching this 4K material, it kind of came to me, you know, because, you know, Keith, I'm a award-winning filmmaker. Oh, and, yes. And uh, renowned all over this universe for all of my projects that I've done. I know. And being uh, one of the hosts of the World Famous Tech Move podcast, I said to myself, (laughs) you know, as I'm looking at this, I'm looking at material very much like they show you at Costco, right? (laughs) Or at the the other, you know, big box TV stores and stuff like that, where they're showing you all these vacate, uh, uh, you know, travel clips, right? Exactly. All this fantastic stuff, right? Yeah. But when I'm looking at it, I'm saying to myself, this is terrific stuff. Like if you're... NBC and you've got the 20 year contract with the Olympics and they're doing all those shots of the, you know, where they are in the universe and stuff like that. Those look terrific. But I am also trained enough to kind of know that this is great video, but it's not terrific filmic material. It doesn't look filmic. It's it's so realistic looking that it doesn't look like film. I mean, it certainly doesn't look like Apocalypse Now or Godfather, what I'm used to. <laughs> you know, I don't think Don Corleone is going to look that clear to me. You know, there's a little bit of that filming look that we're always trying to strive for, right? Right. That's what we're that's what we're always talking about here on this podcast yes. is trying to achieve that filmic look. Yes. And all this material that's out there uh, at these retailer stores, it, it's just not it. They're just trying to show you all you know, 50 gazillion colors that this monitor can get. I'd like you to comment on this, please. (laughs) Well, there's a couple things. One is this filmic or this lack of filmic quality that you saw. Are you talking about lack of filmic quality when you're in the, the big box stores um, or lack of filmic quality when you were looking through your friend's system? I I think a little bit of both, frankly, because you know, like here, here, here's an example. They always go to some foreign country, right? Let's say England, Paris, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And there's always this, uh, what we were just talking about in one of our last segments, about that kind of uh, dusk kind of 
a backlit kind of thing. Those always look dynamic, but it's not very filmic looking. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just, you know, monitors nowadays, so darn clear, so darn <laughs> lifelike that it just doesn't look like film anymore. Yeah. Well, it may, some of it might have to do with the TV settings. Okay. So now part of it is that a lot of new TVs have this feature called um, frame interpolation. And, and actually, so even if you have material that was originally shot uh, filmically, you know, like a 24p, right? Even on film, potentially, um, the the people there's this new feature that supposedly looks better because it's clearer, and it actually will take uh, f- it'll actually make up frames in between the existing frames. So if it's 24p, it might make it into 60p or 120p, mm. just by you know looking at the two frames and then interpolating what might be between between them and showing them showing each frame in real time those in between frames that it's making up. So that's getting to be really popular now and I see it pretty much on all the new TVs. If 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 I see a new TV in some type of public location, you know, like my health club or right, you know, whatever, it's in this mode, you know, and it looks like a soap opera. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, and that so that soap opera-ish look that you're seeing is the high frame rate going on. Mm-hmm. That's that's most of it. So I would suggest you know check, have your friend check to see what what settings he has. There might the, the frame interpolation thing might might be on, and I bet if you turn that off, it's going to instantly look a lot more filmic. So that's number one. Same thing in the stores. You know, ask ask the manager of the store to change all their TVs from <laughs> from the demo high frame rate mode to the normal cinema mode or something. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will that will help. Um, if you you're in that mode already, if you're in the cinema mode already, where it's just put, spitting out 24 frames a second and not adding anything, and and it's just the the raw footage, and it still looks like that, it could be the footage, or it could be potentially the settings on the TV, like the over sharpening on the TV. Yeah, because yeah. everybody, you don't look at you, your eye is not just the way that our physiology is. <laughs> I think your eye is just not attracted. It's it's not going to be instantly attracted to things that are kind of out of focus and fuzzy. It's going to be attracted to things that are super sharp and popping into your eyeballs. <laughs> right, right. It's like you know maybe that's because you know spears you know being thrown at our heads are sharp and <laughs> you know and or 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 tang- fangs of saber toothed tigers you know <laughs> three feet away from us are sharp or right. you know whatever. There might be some evolutionary reason for it, but. <laughs> Regardless of that, we're attracted to that sharpness. However, it's it's kind of garish in a way. You know, it's kind of like turning up the treble too much on your on your headphones or your yeah. your stereo system. It's just yeah, it's it's it'll attract your attention, <laughs> but you know, like like an ambulance attracts your attention. Sure, not always sure. desirable. Well, it's not enjoyable. Well, and you know what? I'm wondering if this is for uh, you know a discussion for a future uh, uh, segment here, but is is our society moving towards that is what the image is going for. And that's what, uh, you know, consumers are going for because there's, I mean, frankly, let's face it. Everyone is so inundated with all this billions of colors. Yeah. Right. That are, that are popping up. Whereas, you know, uh, you and I still come from like that school of, 
you know, Star Wars being shown at the local theater in its <laughs> 70 millimeter print, right? Oh, you know, you camp out for weeks to go see that 70 millimeter print, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of these TVs are not, you know, it's so beyond that. Now it's just all about this vibrant color, the pop, the, the this and that, right. that I think maybe society is just moving towards, you know, that thing. And maybe that's why the 4K is so, so popular rather than what, you know, uh, maybe what we're used to in this, you know, filmic look. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I think just everything is becoming oversaturated and turned up to 11, you know, yeah. in, in all in all media. Uh and that's because before we just couldn't turn it up to 11. The the we technically couldn't do it. You you know, you were filming with regular film. It has a limit to how much resolution it has. The cameras, the lenses, the projectors, the environment that we watch it, you know, projectors are always out of focus and jumpy and you know the 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 prints for it, the film prints fade over time and get scratched and just aren't optimal and and the prints themselves are like copies of copies of copies so they're bound to lose some some uh resolution and image quality um fidelity so we're kind of we were kind of used to that kind of inherent fuzziness and low res quality of of our media but now that everything can almost be projected and reproduced and we see it almost even better than its original form. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're starting to get used to that. Yeah. And we're starting to think it's normal. And uh, unfortunately, I mean, I hope it doesn't happen, but I see a time where people won't be able to appreciate the filmic qualities. That I we agree. Appreciate it. I know? agree. And, and that's why when you had suggested that I, I share with my friend to take it off that set, I think he'd probably slit my throat. <laughs> You just ruined he, my TV. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's he's probably saying, you know, I didn't pay however many thousands of dollars for this seventy-five incher just to turn down the vibrance, <laughs> right? I I think if he could, he'd want it to spew fire upon <laughs> up, upon the the listening uh, the watching audience for crying out loud. So, uh, well, anyway. yeah. I mean, yeah. Like I'm I'm producing a f um a pretty important video this week for. Uh, for a couple of universities it's yes. a global pro project and and uh some of the footage was shot at the other university in another country and then some of it was shot here by me mm. and i was kind of i was the director so i was telling them in in this other country what to do and and <laughs> using you know. your rosetta stone uh uh well they're in, it was an english-speaking country oh good. so it was fine but good. I mean, they, under okay. they understood English fine. I just don't think they understood film terms <laughs> that well. Right. But, um, but you know, I, I got it from them, and I was, I, I, I had, it wasn't filmic to me. Like, they didn't understand what filmic meant, even yeah. though I gave them examples and stuff. Right. It's like, and then the, to explain it to them, to say, you need to make it more filmic, it probably wouldn't have registered. Yeah. Because I think these are more like news gathering type filmmaker or people that do stuff. They're not like people that make films to make them look filmic. Right. Whereas I've just really, really, really strived to get that look, you know, so everything's for me is geared to that. And I'm very sensitive when I don't see it and when right. I do see it. Exactly. Um, other people don't, they really don't know the difference. Yeah. They might instinctively kind of know like, wow, that looks kind of, that looks better in some way, but they can't, they can't tell you why. Right. And, and, and then, and then really if they have to compare one thing to another, it's mostly the content, like how the person speaks and. Well, if their personality comes out, not how great it looks right. or how filmic it looks. So it's kind of it's kind of an interesting 
it's kind of an interesting thing. I think that's why we'll talk about that again. But yeah. just give me just give me a little thirty second uh, viewpoint when you walk into your big box store and you see uh, all these monitors out there. Are you do do you throw up into the garbage can? Do you take a baseball bat uh, to the nearest display? What do you What do you do? Are Are you sickened by this? Um, no, I think I appreciate it for what is what it is, and I think that I know that I can take that if if it can reproduce stuff that that's that's that bright and that high resolution i know that i could probably tune it to work for me Mm -hmm. so i just kind of accept it you have to do that you can't it has to be at the brightest brightest setting because these settings are really bright anyway the the environments that these tvs are in right and you're not really watching it in a darkened theater room so they have to be super bright right and and so i don't blame them for doing that I, 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 whenever I get a TV, I'll tune it the way that I like it. I don't leave it in its standard settings. Sure. So sure. exactly. Yeah, they're yeah. usually way too sharp and way too bright. Right. It, um. So I just turn that stuff down. And same, you know, same thing is true for default settings on even the high-end camcorders you get. You true. Know, they can be really over sharpened. You know, like the GH4 is too sharp. Um, you have to actually either blur it, blur it. In fact, I had to do that in one edit that I did uh, last week. I had I had GH4, which looked pretty good, and and I had some A7S and C100. I actually had to blur the GH4 footage. Nice. I had to, had to add a add a blur of like too great, too yeah. great. Yeah, it was just too sharp. So you can do that in camera too, and I think maybe I had the, didn't have the sharpness turned down in the camera. It was like mm-hmm. at zero, which is overly sharp. But um, you know, it, you can tune it. You can always tune that stuff. So I'm not. I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not disgusted by it because right. I, I can fix it. <laughs> mm-hmm, 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 sure. How about you? Well, y- y- you know, I mean, because I'm so torn with the, w- you know, with the filmic look, right? And yeah. and when I go in there and I see it, you can't help but be impressed. It's so 3D ish. It's so alive looking. Yeah. But it ain't film. No. It ain't film, and no. it and and you know, and I'm just wondering if. Uh, uh, you know, if film is going to go or the look is going to go by the wayside and we are just going to do soap opera, you know, clarity, you know, in-studio, live broadcast, you know, quality type of thing. And and, and I kind of think in some ways we are. Maybe, maybe. I still see, you know, the, the go-to camera right now is the Aria Alexa for pretty mm-hmm. much everything, which gets a little boring. Because mm-hmm. everything looks really, really good and pretty filmic, but not that much different. You know, there, there's there's a few things that are done on Reds, but it's pretty much like Ari Alexa or Red. Mm-hmm. Everything that you see on TV or movies is done on that now. There's a few filmmakers that are holding out and still use film. Mm-hmm. But um, in fact, I want to talk to just tell a short, short story about um, about the kind of film versus digital thing. Okay. So I don't. Do you get HBO? Uh, no, I do not. Okay. But you probably can see it at somebody's house. Anyway, there's this oh, really sure. interesting um, show called The Greenlight Project, and it's I've bit, heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of it. And I think it was last done like ten years ago. So it's the fourth like installment of it. But it was, the last third installment was a long time ago. Anyway, it's it's actually executive produced by Matt Damon and um, and uh, ben, ben Affleck. Affleck. Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, which is kind of cool because you get to see them kind of you know executive producing, which means they show up for like for five minutes, right? In in in, in the whole entirety and, of the whole show and take the back end money for it <laughs> if there is any money. But right. uh, but they add a certain amount of star power. Anyway, it's kind of cool to see them work because I like both of them. But uh, anyway, they chose a director, um, and they chose this director because he had a unique. He seemed to have a unique vision and wasn't just a yes man with the mm. producers. Mm. But it was really interesting. It showed just a lot of the tension that happens in a real production over uh, the artist, the artist's needs and wants, which is the director in this case, versus the producer's need and want for finishing on time and in budget. And there was a really big conflict there. In fact, what wound up happening is that the producer actually quit because they couldn't get along with the director because mm. they it. felt unappreciated and so on. But one of the first things the producer said is, or the director said, "Is this? Ha- I would like this to be shot on film." And it was it was like a three million dollar budget they had for this, which is it sounds like a lot, but it's not much, I guess, for when you're doing stuff in Hollywood, right? And and uh, and the producer said, "Yeah, but you realize that that's like two days of production or or more. And if we do it on digital, we'll save three hundred thousand dollars if we do it on digital. You know, which right. is an, an amazing amount of money. Sure, you know." And the guy said, no, I just love film and, and it's got to be film. You know, there's something about film. Mm. And so they had this huge fight and he even went above her head and all this stuff. And finally they did it, but it cost him $300,000, you know, so he had less t- money to do other stuff. But mm. he had this huge fight about the film versus digital and how great film was and et cetera. And, and uh, anyway, so finally they finished this whole series and it was actually really interesting. I loved it. Um, I, I just like like that inside kind of behind the scenes stuff. Sure. Um, anyway, the film that he made actually came out right after that. Like it was featured on HBO, which is but what's really interesting is that it wasn't really even on their movies page. Like their featured stuff. You know how they always have that sure. highlight all the new. It wasn't. I couldn't even find it. I had to actually ser- go to the movie section and search <laughs> for his movie. <laughs> it was so obviously they they weren't promoting it because they weren't that proud of it. <laughs> so so. And I looked at, I watched the movie. It was like an hour and a half kind of, kind of, uh, campy comedy. Okay. And it was not very good. <laughs> In fact, it was pretty bad. It was not a good movie. It was pretty bad. And to be honest with you, at least in the format of HBO being digitally streamed kind of thing. Yes. I think, I don't think the film being shot on film made one difference, one would of a difference. Oh, really? Even from a technical point of view. There are a couple beautiful scenes, uh-huh. but you could have done those same beautiful scenes on an Ari Alexa easily. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then there was a lot of stuff I felt that was technically not as good because it was shot on film. Like, like because the film was not as sensitive, you know, as a digital camera, they had to compromise with the lighting. Things were, like, too dark, too contrasty. Mm. I felt like he would have been way better off doing it on digital. But he just stuck to his guns and wanted to do the film and you know, had created a whole bunch of tension because he had this idea that film was better than digital. Mm-hmm. And and in the end, it made, in my opinion, zero difference. Right. Like, to my pretty trained eye. Like, you know, I could tell when something looks good or not. And, and yeah, I didn't think it made any difference. You know, maybe mm-hmm. if it was projected on a 50-foot screen or something. Right. You know, then maybe. But not, not in my, not on my 60-inch TV. So... So, you know, that's kind of an example of, you know, there's these people that have these ideals about what film is versus digital, but <clears throat> they don't realize that they could actually probably be more creative and have things go smoother if they just went one way rather than the other. Right. 
You know? Right. Well, and also, frankly, story too, right? Oh, exactly. Story is the key. It, yeah. it could have been shot on a, you know, iPhone, but if right. the story was really good and it was entertaining, yeah, you know, and then you don't have to put all these resources into into the the, the te- technical stuff. You can focus on the story. Right. Exactly. You know? So anyway, that's just my little my little rant about you know, from film versus digital. Well, I like that. Yeah. I, 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 I'm going to check. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, uh, just see if Project you can, Greenlight. Huh? Yeah, at least watch the whole thing because it's quite interesting. Okay. Um, of course, they dramatize it a lot. You know, sure. I read. I read a little bit about what really happened based on the director's point of view because the director kind of comes off as being, being a little bit of a, kind of like the villain in a way. Okay. Um, because he's just so picky. Like he's like an auteur. Like he he really is very picky about everything, which is right. kind of what you want in a director. You know, they have yeah. to be in charge. But he's like I thought he at least they portrayed him as being too picky about the wrong things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and you know of course, you know documentaries and things like that, reality shows they're never what really happens. Right. They're just trying to find the good, interesting story and playing that part of it up. But still, I found it to be fascinating. Yeah, so check I, it out. I, I I I love watching that creative process. That's why I love like, uh, you know, when it comes to music, I love outtakes and stuff because (laughs) i I think those are i think or or demos or stuff like that i love that oh yeah so yeah anyway so i guess that's the end of the good filmic discussion for no i i i I think it i think it requires a little bit more uh uh thought into that too because i i uh, you know there there's so much that that uh, that can be talked about more with regards to that is especially you know as you know our tv sets get bigger, lighter, less expensive, so on and so forth, you know, what are they going to do when they display it? And, um, you know, and that is going to be the norm. So anyway, let's, uh, let's continue on. Uh, l- let's talk about what, what is this thing you have here in our show notes? Uh, it's called Gradical HD. Oh, I, I kind of remember that, but, uh, I, okay. So ever since the Kudo announced this thing, it's it's I I've been lusting after it. <laughs> um, I think it might have even been released about a year ago. Okay. But but uh, anyway, um, so for some reason I just felt like I think it's time for another high end EVF. Okay, and that's what the Gradical HD is. Oh yeah, I remember that Zacuto, yeah. right? Yeah, it's Zacuto. But the problem was is they released it and then it started out and the price was like thirty eight hundred dollars. It was like yeah. what? You right. Know? You know, just for this little monitor thing, and sure. and then I, I I actually really really considered. Remember when I interviewed the the founder of Small HD, and yes. we talked about that EVF the five hundred two and the side finder. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And I really thought I was going to get that, and that yeah. is, and that's not too expensive. I mean, the whole thing is maybe like twelve thirteen hundred dollars or something. The, the, that's the one that's the size of like an iPhone. Correct. Yeah, it's like the the actual screen itself, uh, the display itself is the size of an iPhone, and about you know about the Maybe the same weight too. It's yep. not that heavy. I remember um, that. And then it's got this kind of flip out thing that's an eyepiece that you, that turns it into. An we EVF. were hot on that when we when 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 you first uh, uh, interviewed the, those folks over there. Yeah, I was super hot on it. I thought it was pretty much the way to go. Right. Um, but then I kind of looked into it, read some reviews about it, and I just kind of felt like. It was not perfect. Like it had some issues. Like it wasn't mature enough at this particular point. Yeah, it was just like some things. Were, it was a little too cheap in some areas. Some things weren't thought out um, with it. You know, like just something really, really simple. The the side finder thing that's that clicks on to the to the monitor right. is held together with with magnets. So that's how it stays on. 
Oh, that you know that's how, sound, that doesn't sound great. Yeah, I mean the back. I think it's got a hinge on the back, but the front part where it makes it close is magnets, and apparently it just un, it just undoes itself all the time. You know, oh. like you could just tap it really lightly and it unpops, mm-hmm. or it's hard to get it aligned because it's it's just not perfectly machined, so it doesn't always line up, and you have to kind of bend it into place. And I just just things like that. Um, don't want to have this thing pop. You know, in a situation. You know, like you're using it. I don't want it to be popping off. You were leery. You were yeah. leery. And then I and then I heard that it had a little bit of light leaks. Like you could see reflections on inside the inside the mechanism mm-hmm. of just thing of just light coming through for some reason. You know, maybe it's the same thing. Maybe it just needs some of my free flocking material that <laughs> that a, a lucky listener could win. Right. <laughs> but but we'll talk about that in a little few minutes here. But uh, yeah, actually, I probably should have just gotten that and put the flocking on that. Was all. anyway. So I was looking, I was just lusting after the Gradical again, and then I saw uh, they sent a little email out, and they actually had some demo units of this Gradical. They had like a demo sale. Oh, okay. So I went to their site. Normally it's $3,100, and it was a demo for 25 I think. Oh, okay. Or 20, 25 or 26 Okay. And, it's and like still, 500 bucks off. Yeah, like five, 600 bucks off, which mm-hmm. is not as much as it should be for a demo, but, you mm-hmm. know. But then they have this other unit called the Gradical X, and it's a, and it's kind of a a neat concept. The Gradical X is a Gradical that's physically the same as the expensive Gradical, the Gradical mm-hmm. HD, mm-hmm. but it actually has um, no f- no or very few features installed. So in order to get, for example, like a LUT, you know, mm-hmm. so you could load in a LUT, mm-hmm. it it you have to buy that. Like for a hundred bucks or whatever. Oh. So every little feature that you add to it adds more money. And if you add all the features in that the HD has, mm-hmm. then it winds up costing more than the HD. Oh, okay. So, so I was kind of looking into it, and I think it had had a package that kind of came with it of four things. But then I'd probably add some more stuff. And I was just thinking, by the time I add the stuff that I really need, it's going to be like twenty five. Mm-hmm. And then there's some stuff that I don't need now, but I could use in the future. For example, converting from one format to another. Like, it actually has a built-in converter to co- convert from HDMI to SDI because it's got SDI inputs and outputs and HDMI inputs and outputs. So you can use it as a cross-converter. Okay. So I could hook up a recorder to it that's not not an SDI recorder and still record, even though I have an SDI camera going into it and stuff like that. Um, and just all the other features. And I said, you know, if this demo thing, it's it's going to have everything. I'm not going to have to worry about it. I could just get all the features. So I anyway, I just decided to order it. Wow. Yeah. And in fact, I'm actually holding it right now. <laughs> you, 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 you've got it in your hot little hands right now. I got it last night. And how is it? Um, it's well. First of all, it's supposed to be a demo, but it looks totally brand new. Oh, great! And it acts brand new. I mean, it. I don't know if it was even used much at all. So that part's good. That's good. Yeah. And um, I mean, it's 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 not small. You know, it's about it's probably about the size of my of my A7S2. <laughs> If not a it, slightly thicker, <laughs> it, it it doesn't it doesn't look small at all because it looks like there's like a lot of controls on this thing. Yeah, there's there's four push buttons and then a joystick, mm-hmm. and then and then it's got a bunch of it's a few uh, several inputs and outputs on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's pretty simple, well well designed, streamlined, built like a tank, just like all those Akuto stuff is. It it takes a a Canon L six or six L battery, whatever they're called. Um, so I have got tons of those, so that part's good. Um, built like a tank, you could probably use this, you know, 
you know, if somebody's falling, you know, going to mug you, you can throw this at them. Right. Um, and it won't break. <laughs> and, and you're going to use this on the C100? I'm going to use it for a variety of things. Okay. But I, I might just even have it free so I can just kind of kind of look through it. And even if I have a monitor or something, mm-hmm. I can really, really get get things looking good and know how they're focusing and stuff with this EVF, even better than a monitor, I think, because it's super high resolution. I, look, I looked into it, and, it, and it's it's the the resolution in the image is amazing. It's just so clear. So, um, and I can focus with it, you know, my eyes a little bit, not, not perfect eyesight. So I can kind of get it to be perfect with this mm-hmm. diopter that's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just something that I'm going to have forever and it's not, it's really high quality. So I don't think it's going to go out of style or get obsolete. Um, and I'm, I have a feeling I'm just going to use it for a lot of different, a lot of different reasons. So probably if I have a, like a kind of handheld rig, I'll, it'll probably be my EVF for that, depending on what camera i'm using um so i just felt like it was some it was time to get to get it how, how are you going to mount this uh thing on on uh you got to use it on a rig right i think i have i was i was thinking about how if i if i at all wanted to use it on my a7s2 and i'm not sure if i do but it has a ro- an re rosette on one side so on the right side it's, it's those things that are kind of a circular like one and a quarter inch diameter kind of ridged circle Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, car, it's called an Ari ring. It's a real standard kind of mount. They 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 actually almost look like good old cable coaxial connectors or something, right? Oh yeah, well that's the BNC connector, which is yeah. the video. Um, yeah. But I was actually talking about the physical mounting thing. Oh, the physical mounting thing. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Right. yeah. So on the right side, if you have, see a picture of it, you probably see that there's a kind of silvery uh, white, silvery um, round ribbed thing. Anyway. Oh yeah, I do see that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's that It looks the, like it, it almost looks like a thumb dial or something. Yeah. But it's not yeah. But it looks fixed. Yeah. But it's actually mm-hmm. just a piece of metal that has ridges in it. And you can put these things called Ari Ari, Ari standardized these things called Ari rosettes. Mm-hmm. And all kinds of high-end gear uses these Ari rosettes. Mm, okay. So, uh there's all kinds of uh, mounts and things that you can add. So that's actually kind of cool cuz then you can kind of position it pretty precisely in a circle around this Ari rosette. Mm-hmm. And where that's mounted happens to be pretty much, or where the device center of gravity is, mm-hmm. like you can hold it and it's pretty much perfectly balanced on that point. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I have a few things right now. I could even use my um, Axis that I bought a long time ago mm-hmm. um, and mount it to that. Although the Axis, the one that I have is is not really optimized for this because it doesn't have a rosette. So, um, so that kind of leads me to something else that I was thinking of doing, which is... Now, if you look it up, you can look up what's called the Axis Mini, the Zakuto Axis Mini, versus the Axis. Axis Mini. Okay. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I and see this thing. Yeah. So the Mini is just kind of a oh, like it's look one. At that. Th- yeah. Looks so it's really like, high quality. Yeah, it is. It's it's three hundred for three hundred fifty bucks. It better be high quality. Yeah, that's the thing about Zakuto stuff. It's not cheap. Yeah. But um. But it's kind of a small, smallish, more compact version of the axis. So the axis can get really long, like it can go like a, maybe over a foot away from whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the mini can only get maybe five inches away. Oh, I see how these rosettes work. Yeah, because the 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 little notches that are on the circumference of the thing must interlock with the one that's on the zacudo. So. It, it doesn't slide around or anything like that. Then yeah, 
locks in with that probably that screw that's at the center. Exactly. Yeah, the screw is what you kind of basically use to mount right. it eventually. To lock it in there and then these yeah. little ridges kind of just add a little bit more sureness to the yeah. thing. It looks good. Yeah, yeah it's, I like it's, it. it's a good mounting thing. So eventually I might get this axis, but I had this idea of converting my current, my, my full axis to the mini mini mount. So oh, no. Does it involve a hacksaw and, wel <laughs> and, and welding shields? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it involves maybe more modification than I bargained for, but right. I, I argued, okay, so I, I contacted Zakuda. They're really pretty nice. And I, con I found some guy that was willing to deal with me and he said, well, sorry, you can only, you can only send this in and, and we can switch it out for a hundred dollars. Uh -huh. So switch, switch out that very last, if you look at the regular axis, it has that, that last, um, part that's kind of the last arm and that's got a kind of a four sided NATO sized connector and that's meant to slip your EVF on if you have a NATO clamp on the end of your EV on the, on your EVF okay so i was going to but that last thing is on a on a swivel just like the last axis the axis mini uh last point mounting point so i looked at the at the photos and it looked like that was replaceable with the axis mini part mm -hmm. so i I contacted Zakuda and said, "Hey, could I just order this Axis Mini part?" And the guy said, "Well, it's it's not really something we sell separately, and and it's kind of takes skill to replace it." And I said, "Yeah, I'm pretty handy. I think I can replace it." <laughs> right. He doesn't so. know Keith Moreau very well. <laughs> so he said, "Okay. Well, I said I said, you know, if I had broken this part, could you send me a replacement part for it?" And he said, mm -hmm. "Okay. Now that you put it that way." Um. Anyway, he he contacted his people and found out which parts he needed to send me and I, I bought that just that little part for a hundred dollars okay so i didn't think it was that expensive but then when i got the parts the actual parts i don't think they're the right parts <laughs> the, oh there it, it's, it's not the right one it doesn't i'd have to take it take my current thing apart which i'm a little bit now kind of not sure if i want to do it and then i have a feeling it's not they didn't send me all the right parts mm. um so i i'm not sure if i'm going to do it or not so uh, you spent a hundred bucks yeah. on parts that I probably, probably won't. won't work, yeah. and you probably won't even use them. Probably not. So I'm gonna I'm gonna contact them and, and ask them if maybe they forgot some parts. <laughs> or, uh, or I mean, it really I'm sure that work. guy has moved away to Istanbul. I'm sure he's <laughs> moved away. He, he's done. He's done working with you. So. No, probably he's probably blocked my email address at this point <laughs> because I bugged him so much for a stupid little hundred dollar part that took him you know three hours of labor right but and, and he went over <laughs> policy and all this kind of stuff and yeah it, he had to it, like pull some strings to get it to me right. and, and it's still not gonna work and now i'm gonna be complaining and wasting more of his time and right. the engineers are going ah this keith moreau guy he's really a time waster you know what here's what i here's what i suggest you call him up and say hey you know what we'll give you a free uh a copy of the podcast that you're mentioning <laughs> how about that we won't even charge you free podcast free. Whenever I communicate with these companies, I always put the TechMove signature yes. on there so they yes. know that I'm Which important. Which I appreciate. Yeah. So they yeah. know I'm important. They shouldn't mess with me. Right. But um, <laughs> I think you get probably worse treatment than had you not signed your name on, with that. What's funny is they never, ever, ever comment on it. Like, they never say, oh, 
you're with Tech Move or right? Oh, you have a podcast. It's like there's no response to that ever. <laughs> right? Hey, hey, you're uh, you're in the media. Hey, we'll give you a tester of this or uh, hey, yeah, beta you... coffee. No, yeah. Nothing. No, it's just zero response. Hey, we'll give you fifty bucks off your next per- full price purchase. Oh man. So uh, yeah. No so respect. I don't, so I don't know if I should take the thing apart and prove that it's not not the right part and potentially destroy my working access <laughs> or or what i'm a little conflicted now well uh ladies and gentlemen we'll have a video documentation of keith's breakdown when he does do that <laughs> and uh and we'll post that on the website uh when it's available but uh as of right now uh keith just for my own hilarity i recommend you do do that and uh i i think that would be tremendous if if you do that so um uh, I, think it'd be fantastic. I will maybe it's maybe for the next show i'll i'll report how taking apart my expensive access fared yeah i i think uh the <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great okay so speaking of expensive parts yes i'm texting it to you now the uh a couple pictures of another super overpriced piece of gear uh, this and this, I guess I t- I labeled this part of the segment. Camera parts can can be really overpriced. <laughs> okay, I'm excited uh, about this. I know this is like live. This, this is this this is like the radio, like Marconi broadcasting over the Atlantic for the first time. <laughs> this is this is this is what live radio is all about. <laughs> this is great. This this is very exciting here. I know. Uh, uh, you, you know, I I this isn't your access though, is it? That the thing that it's yeah that's what it's, it's connected. part of it right yeah well I just kind of connected it all together to yeah because I had this idea of attaching it the reason I got this thing and I'm just going to send it to you now so we can intelligently talk about it so this is this is the actual part that I bought from Really Right Stuff the Really Right Stuff tripod I have it's the FH350 I think okay. uh, it's not a tripod it's the head the fluid head awesome head I'm so glad I got it even though it's quite expensive but oh okay got this so thing. it's yeah. got it so if you're left-handed you would want the handle to be on the left side. Okay. So you would take this part that I sent you a picture of, and it's basically mm-hmm. just the handle assembly without the handle. <laughs> it, it, it it really just looks like a fancy key. Yeah. It looks like and a it, fancy key lock type of thing. Yeah. And it's like a couple inches wide and, you know. Yeah. And, and so it's basically to add another spot to mount a handle on the other side of your tripod head. Okay. Yeah, and it's and it's it's got a very unique kind of locking mechanism that doesn't use ratcheting or anything. It's okay. very smooth, so it's actually pretty cool. And it's probably and, very quiet, very low motion, all this kind of stuff, smooth, yeah. all this kind of thing. Yeah. So when I was doing a whole bunch of these kind of TED Talk type things, where I'm just, I had a, I actually had a, a large monitor mounted to the top of one of my camcorders, an EX1, mm. and it was just a little too much kind of weight for mounting on the hot shoe stuff on my, on the top of my camera. I just thought it was, it was just kind of dangerous and and not very stable. Correct. Um, So I had an idea. uh, And also if I ever moved it or adjusted, it would kind of move the camera and, and shake it. So I thought, well, what if I got another one of these handle mounts and then I could mount my monitor to the tripod Mm -hmm. and some tripods actually have little tap holes and things to, to do that. Like a lot of Manfrotto's, you know, in the side, they'll have like a three eighths that you can put, like screw in stuff to mount things. Right. But this tripod doesn't. It's it's got just, you know, just the basics. So, but I thought I could get get one of these extra ones. I'd have a nice one. It's kind of variable cuz I could move it up and down, move it around. And 
and it would look good and it would fit well. So anyway, I asked them what the part is. This yeah, it's this part. It's the handle locking mechanism. So, but guess how much this part, this teeny little part, was? This little part. I mean, it's all this matte black <laughs> and matte silver, kind of like real nice looking type of thing. Uh, I mean, twenty five bucks. It was two hundred dollars <laughs> for for this thing. Two hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars. Yeah. So, I mean, what can you do? It's a glorified skate key, pretty much. It, it, it it's really well made, but it's oh, it'd be, I, it'd be, I mean, uh, for two hundred fifty bucks, a guy ought to just be standing there holding it for you. <laughs> I mean, like, 250 bucks for the well, and, and, and and is it what two inches long it's like yeah it's like two inches wide and an inch and a half tall that's what that's what that thing looks like it's small wow. it's really well made but it's just wow. like like even a hundred i think even a hundred bucks would have been too much and yeah so, anyway yeah. but i kind of needed it i had this idea i think it's going to work fine but you know camera gear especially pro camera parts and things <laughs> Are, it's they're really overpriced, you yeah. know, particularly from American manufacturers. Sure, you can get some of the stuff like the, I don't know, the stuff from newer and all the stuff you see on Amazon that's from China. Yeah, it's super cheap. Oh yeah, yeah. But when you have something that's kind of custom made for an already expensive piece of equipment, you know, like especially even, when I'm, it's not available yet and stuff, you know that that that's when they really make all their money first. Oh yeah, and also if it's a custom order th- kind of thing where they have to go out of their way to get it to you, and anyway. Mm-hmm. I just, and you know, this is why motion pictures cost so many millions of dollars to make. Yeah. You know, because every little clamp they buy, instead of the Chinese part costing five bucks, costs like 300, like a hundred dollars. Right. You know, everything they buy is really, but it's also extremely well made. Yeah. It's not going to break. It's going to last for 30 years. That's why a lot of the gear you see looks like it's been battered and run over by a truck, but it still works. Right. Um, You know, same thing with this stuff, but still it's camera and cinema gear is really overpriced in some cases so i agree that's my that's my comment no that's uh, (laughs) and and a comment i very much appreciate thank you keith (laughs) thank you very much uh what else do we want that's my little mod section Um, oh no i like that yeah i i I, I like that that's a that's another thing that keith tinkers around with uh yeah kind of a Fix it even if it ain't broke type of thing, but kind of a, uh, kind of a fix it kind of a thing where I have drawers and lots of unfinished things that may have seemed practical, but when I actually got down to doing it, they I didn't have time to really <laughs> finish them. Right, but in this case, this is really easy, and that's another reason to pay the money because you can you could probably save money, but then you have to spend a whole bunch of time doing it, and usually never gets done. Yeah, whereas this is pretty quick and it's going to work like instantly. Sure. So. Sure. Anyway, it's a couple things that I got that I think I'm gonna we're gonna talk maybe about new developments. I'd love that. Okay. Well, and and I believe, uh, according to my notes here, we have some new developments regarding Black Magic. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, specifically, what the Studio Mini or something? Yeah. There's a Black Magic Studio Mini. Which what is looks, that? What is this? It's a teeny little. 4K camera. Oh, actually, I think it's not the Mini. It's called the Blackmagic Micro Studio Camera 4K. Ah, huh. World's smallest Ultra HD live studio camera. Oh, it's a studio camera. Yeah. 
And I think I saw an, an kind of versions of this uh, at NAB, but I don't think it was 4K. I think it was HD. Okay. But now they've actually released this 4K version, which is pretty cool. It's it's kind of like a, I guess it's like a GoPro, but just higher quality. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like a non-compressed codec or very low compressed codec. So you get that high bit rate uh, meant to be mounted in drones and small places and stuff. So that was just one thing that I that I thought was pretty cool. And uh, surprisingly, still using Micro Four Thirds lenses here. Yeah, exactly. They love so, going to that. They love the Micro Four Thirds. Yeah. So I don't. I'm not sure if I personally will get this one, but I could see it have having some use, particularly because the codex, I think, and is it pretty good. I'll, that's one thing that you can really count on with Blackmagic stuff mm-hmm. is their codecs are are not the kind of consumer codecs that we, you know, all all kind of have are forced on by Sony and and Panasonic and others. They they have that kind of ProRes thing happening, or the or the uncompressed raw thing happening, which means you just get so much more dynamic range and great ability. You know, I, you know, on on this uh, page on the black uh, well was yeah on the blackmagicdesign.com website, the way they're promoting it, uh, you know, broadcast quality, all this kind of stuff. Isn't this what we were talking about earlier about the filmic stuff? Maybe this might not this this might not be that. This might be all that kind of like high res studio live studio look to things. Um, I think this one might have the ability to have a pretty filmic look, depending okay. on what you what you use on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it has to do with the grading process and how dynamic. right a little a little a little bit more post production type of stuff. Yeah, but this one I. This one, I think, is meant to be used. I'm not sure if it has internal recording or not. But anyway, I just wanted to just, you know, report on this new thing that's coming out. Yeah. You know, just just kind of heads up on it. We could talk about it more when it actually comes out. Yeah. I like this. Yeah. It looks nice. It really yeah. looks nice. Although, well, I guess the difference here between the, uh, the Blackmagic Compact mm-hmm. is, I guess this is 4K. Correct. Okay. Yes. Right. That's the uh, big deal. Yeah, and another f- set of 4K camcorders that I'm, I'm, I think are gonna kind of, uh, well, it's kind of revolutionary in a way. Are these whole set of the Zenmuse X cameras? So DJI has is starting to become a camera manufacturer. DJI, you mean our friends uh, with the Phantom and all that kind of good stuff? Yeah, they're starting to delve into making not just helicopters, but but cameras as well well i guess we kind of knew that right because wasn't it with the phantom they introduced a 4k camera that came with their drone right so so now now they're improving those that camera yeah and they're also adding a whole new line of of other cameras and kind of gimbals and other things like that oh cool yeah so the one of the really they think the the one that's going to be probably the most popular is called the osmo osmo and um yeah, that that one. In fact, somebody, one of my friends, actually bought one of these. They're not that expensive. I think they're in the thousand dollar range or maybe less. Oh, hey, that's pretty nifty. Yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 wow. very streamlined. It doesn't have a lot of extra bits is, and things sticking wow, out. Is like, that is that all it is? is yeah, it's, it's it's like a selfie stick. It's like a selfie stick with a gimbal on it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. I like that. And then what? It, it, are are you using your own? Uh, uh, iOS device or some sort of mobile device as a, as the monitor. 
Uh, it seems like that's the or, case in a lot of these photos. They show they show people having a little iPhone on the side. Yeah. I don't know how rapid that's going to be. If there's a latency or not, it might kind of keep make it less usable. Okay. So big question. Do you know how much this thing is? I don't think it's that expensive. I think it's under a thousand. Under a thousand. Well, see the because the thing I love on it is the little promotion for this perfect selfie, where it has this young lady like on a merry-go-round holding this thing. Sure, I'm going to spend a thousand dollars on this thing <laughs> to take a oh. selfie of myself. Okay, so stand corrected. It's actually six forty-nine. Still, some lady on a merry-go-round, $650 taking a photo of herself or video. Holy mackerel, who's going to do that for crying out loud? Just use a selfie stick for 20 bucks, crying out loud. Although, I, I-, I could see how this would be good because if it's really high quality, then, you know, then there you go. But, you know, we're not going to use this on our on our little date night thing or something like that. This or it might be, be your last date to use it. <laughs> right, exactly. Remember that geek that took out his DJI Osmo <laughs> during our first date? <laughs> Although this thing does look pretty good if it comes to like maybe uh, uh, action video type of thing. It's small enough, you know, kind of GoPro-ish kind of feel. Yeah. If, if the image quality, I think it all comes down to the image quality. Sure. For me personally, like when my friend showed this to me, he was like, he was so excited about it. And I just said, well, you know, I had something like that a year ago. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, but it doesn't look as cool. You know, the thing sure. that I have looks kind of, kind of slapped together. Yeah. This, this really looks like a product. So that's kind of cool. You know, they're, they're going for the style. Sure. So I think they're going to sell a lot cause it's a pretty good price point. I mean, if you, you get a gimbal and a GoPro, it's about this maybe even more. So yeah. It, yeah. it's, it's potentially a, yeah, but I think it has drawbacks to the GoPro thing, but maybe it has some advantages too. I don't so, think it's waterproof. I'll tell you that much. I don't think it's waterproof. <laughs> We'll have to try that out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, although, although you know, there uh, there are examples from handheld video versus the the Osmo video where it's all smooth because of the gimbal. Uh-huh. It does look great. Yeah. You have to say that it does look good. Yeah. The gimbal's going to really really make it make it a lot more high quality. I think that's very very nice. Yeah. I guess it. I, th- I guess it is going to depend on um, uh, on uh, what the uh, videos look like mm-hmm. that come out of this thing. Mm-hmm. So they can shoot up to 4K. Okay. But what does that mean? Up to 4K. <laughs> what does that mean? That's a fancy word for saying, well, for 200 extra more dollars, <laughs> then you'll get 4K. Uh-huh. I don't know. Who knows? Once you jailbreak it, it'll be, uh, it'll be, it'll do 4K. <laughs> but, but we haven't figured out how to do that yet. So it, it only does 4K if you attach it to one of our DJI helicopter products <laughs> <laughs> but then it's up to 4k right exactly <laughs> uh, all right exciting hey okay so that's uh that's dji yeah dji yeah. nice going uh nice new product I, I like how they're uh not limiting themselves to uh to just the drones that's very very good uh, that's exciting uh something you wanted to follow up on keith about the a7s2 and the overheating that you kind of thought might be happening. Uh, yeah. Do you have any updates on that? Yeah. Um, I was really bummed when I read the reports that it, it might be overheating just like the A7 uh, R2. And so I actually did my own little test. So I set up uh, an A7, my, my A7S2. I had um, a uh, 
I think I had my Comlite adapter and my 24 to 105 going with stabilization on um, and with the stabilization on inside. I had the back panel LCD pushed in all the way so it was going to be trapping as much heat as possible. I had it focused on a computer. My One of my MacBook Pros running a screensaver that was moving around a lot because I wanted to stress the codec because if it's just a still frame... It wouldn't do anything... It would it would probably be using less processing power and generate less heat heat inside because it's not actually doing much encoding you know processing right so that's why I aim it at something that's moving you know that's the way to test it so I had it going for my 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 plan was to just keep it continuously recording as long as the battery lasts and then when the battery uh, when the time limit of thirty minutes came uh, just stop it a little bit before that time just restart it instantly without waiting at all so you know having a bunch of twenty nine or so minute recordings in a row. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, when I needed to replace the battery, then I just replaced the battery at that time and then continue on. Just don't give it a chance to rest. Just keep going, keep going, see what's going to happen. Right. So I did all this, uh, set it up, aimed it at the thing, and I could not get it to overheat. Uh, after after how long? How I long did, did like, you test I, this? I think I did five in a row at one time. I think I did a total of like 10 tests, but I had to leave and come back later. Mm-hmm. And I never got it to overheat. That's a good thing. Yeah. I, I was, and it wasn't like a cold environment. I, I didn't have a hairdryer pointing at the thing, but right. it wasn't like outside in the cold. It was inside my office, you know, like 60, 68 degrees or so. So um, after I did all that and couldn't get it to overheat, I was really, really happy. Very, very good. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. I am a little bit relieved. Although it seems like some people are still having it and maybe their copies of it are just not as uh, heat insensitive. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they have different software that makes it trigger more i don't know uh you know i don't know but i'm i'm just glad that my particular copy of the a7s2 is is not chronically overheating right did did it feel warm to you at least it felt warm but it didn't feel like it was burning up and Mm -hmm. that you know like it it was dangerous or anything like that no i mean i did move all flammable objects away from it at one point but (laughs) right no you you didn't need your insulated oven mitts to uh to turn the thing off well of course i do have my you know high temperature silver suit on you know (laughs) when i was doing it but that's just a precautionary thing it was not really necessary good i'm glad i i I am relieved about that (laughs) that that is great news that is great news well I think that segues very nicely into what else we want to talk about because then if the A7S II isn't overheating, are you rethinking the C300 Mark II? I know. I've been lusting after the C300 Mark II since I heard about it. Yes. Like early in the year. Correct. And and I just, I it's starting to come out now. Like I actually have a chance to buy one of the first ones. Okay. Problem is it's $16,000. <laughs> It's like a car. It's like buying a car. Right. Exactly. Yes, it is. And so it, it's, you know, by far would be the most expensive camera that I would have gotten. And like by, by double. And you know, I, could I, I, could, I, I would like to go on record and say most likely more than double. Well, I think I paid, I paid $8,000 for my FS 700. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I paid like a couple times, paid around $8,000. It seems okay. like the pro ones, the low end of the high end. Or the high end of the low end is about there. <laughs> like like the FS7 is around 8000 It seems like that's the price point. That's okay. like the pain point for for Sony, at least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> but um, 
but I just, the first review kind of reviews have been coming out. The first tests have been coming out, the first impressions. And they're not like, they're not like glowing. They're not super positive glowing. They're okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people that have bought the thing thinks it's, think it's really good and they love the image quality, but mostly it's a very subtle kind of, it's almost like a subjective thing that the reason they like it, it's not something that could be measured. Hmm. Like, like it doesn't seem to have that amazing dynamic range that they talk about. It doesn't seem to have really that great low light performance or low noise performance. Like it seems like it's noisier than, than other Canon cameras. Um, and, and also it's not just the $16,000. It's all the media. Cause it needs to use CFast two cards, which are really expensive now. Okay. And, and, and using it at that 4k high end resolution mode, it's, it's going to eat up a lot of cards. So right. I'm going to have to, if I'm going to do a shoot for any long period of time, I'm going to have to buy a bunch of these cards, like another, maybe a couple thousand dollars worth of cards minimum. Wow. Yeah. And then the batteries are all new. They ha you have to buy special new Canon, only Canon makes them. They're a few hundred dollars each. So probably get at least a couple of those. Um, and then all the media and stuff for the amount, massive amount of data that it records. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I had unlimited money, I would still probably get it. Like if I was just totally independently wealthy and, and money was no object, I'd probably still get it. But it is financially, there is some consideration going yeah, on here. Right. Um, there are also some limitations. Like it doesn't do high speed 4K. It just goes up to 30P. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Like it doesn't even do 60. Huh. So yeah, it's not necessarily a deal breaker, but you know, the, the competitor to this, the FS7 does do that. Mm -hmm. It does, it, and it does all kinds of high frame rates, and you know the FS7 has way more features than the C100 when it comes to frame rates. So the only thing that I think that ha it has going for it, it's it's kind of small, it's smaller and more compact, and it's got awesome autofocus. You know, those are the two main things it has over, so for example, the FS7. Mm -hmm. So should I get the FS7 instead? Well, no, I don't really want the FS7. It's too big. It's too big and heavy. The the FS7 is about, what, half the price? Yeah, it's like $8,000. Okay. Um, but I'm going to have to get a whole bunch of lenses for that one, probably because I don't think I want to be mounting Canon lenses on it through an adapter. Mm -hmm. It's big and heavy. It's kind of like a big shoulder rig thing. And I, and I think a lot of the people that have gotten them are really happy with them, but in a very stationary studio kind of environment, mm -hmm. not like a run and gun type of environment. Right. So anyway, I was so I was just kind of depressed. It's like, well, I don't really want the FS7, but the other, but the C300 Mark II is is just too much. Mm -hmm. So, but Sony pretty recently announced the FS5. It's actually a teeny little version of the FS7. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you want to look that up. But I am looking it up right now, and this one goes <laughs> for five thousand six hundred bucks. Correct. So. It's you know one third the price of the C three hundred Mark II. It's a little bit less than the FS seven. It's way mm -hmm. smaller. It's way more ergonomic than the FS seven. It does look to be a nice size versus uh, the C three hundred. Yeah, and so anyway, I was thinking about it, and I'm thinking you know my my EX one is getting a little bit long in the tooth. You know, mm -hmm. it's quite old right now. It's okay. It's serviceable, but it's big and heavy, and specific uses. So I'm kind of thinking, well, I kind of need to replace that. So maybe the FS5 could be a good replacement for that. It is 4K. It has the potential of being a great handheld kind of documentary shooter. 
it's not really a cinema camera because it doesn't have the the built-in 4K 10-bit uh, like the other like the FS7 and C300, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it does have 10-bit 422 HD. So in a way, it's kind of a cinema camera when it comes to HD, just not 4K. Um, yeah. Also, there's a potential for the SDI output to have a raw output in the f- near future. Um, I think that's going to happen pretty soon, and and I have the recorders to record raw, the Odyssey. So if mm-hmm. I did want to have that cinema, you know, high bit rate raw recording, I could possibly do that uh, in the future. You know, certainly won't get it just for now, but the the but I just think it's a really good choice for me because it's pretty inexpensive, and I think it could replace my C three, my C one hundred. Are you not running into the same problem though with the lenses? <clears throat> yeah, I'm I'm I am running into the problem, and I just I'm gonna have to figure out what to do. I'm probably gonna have to get a couple really good Sony lenses. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Even though I don't think that they're that great for, you know, the focusing mainly is is not as good as as on the the focusing manual focusing capabilities and control is not as good as the Canon lenses. Right. But it might be something that I can probably can get used to. Um. Yeah. It's not a perfect world. Yeah. You know, in a perfect world, uh, the C100 Mark II would have been like the, this fs5 then it would have been no bra- no brainer well i i have some very important news to share with you about the <laughs> canon c300 mark ii is that uh there's an important notice on the items their item this item is non-returnable <laughs> so you you so you slap down your sixteen thousand on this and uh you know uh and you don't like it craigslist here i come <laughs> I mean that exactly. That, I mean that's pretty. Uh, that that's pretty powerful when they say you can't even return this thing. Yeah, that's not fair. That's kind of scary. Sixteen grand and you can't return it. Yeah, that's that's not fair. So I don't know. I just I kind of think that they're gonna have <clears throat> they're gonna probably sell them to a bunch of rental houses because it's probably a pretty good replacement for maybe an Aria, Mira, or Alexa type mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I think it can probably get that Ari look, but <clears throat> just for me. To spend all that money and resources just to get that Ari look, I think maybe I can use that money elsewhere. Yeah. So that's so anyway, I just I actually went ahead and ordered the FS five. You did <laughs> <laughs> I hope while we were speaking just now. That would be that would be ex- that would be exciting. <laughs> that would be very, very exciting. Yeah, uh, I just I just pressed buy. I, I, I like it. I think the FS five looks like a really good system. Looks like something uh, uh, even though it, uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be available till early December of this year, is that correct? Well, apparently it's going to come out. It's going to be available in a couple weeks from B and H. It's early December, but um, my friends at Texas Media Systems mm-hmm. um are going to be putting me on the list, and they think it's going to come in in a couple weeks. So I might have it before then. Okay. Yeah, Good. probably early December, like December first or something. Okay. I'm hoping. I'm I'm actually kind of excited about it. Yeah. Kind of because it's just getting new stuff. You know. Sure. I've had the C100 for like three years. Right. So, I think so, it's, so, so then what do you think is going to be the next lens you buy then? Well, I just ordered a 24 to 70 Sony. Okay. The, the uh, F4. So, and also I'm going to order the kit lens that comes with it. Okay. So that's going to be a pretty versatile lens. <clears throat> it's going to, um, it also has a servo zoom on it. So, can maybe do some zooming as well 
So it's it's pretty cheap too. It comes with the camera. I don't think it's going to be super high quality lens, but I think it'll be good for me to kind of get over the hump. Yeah. I'm hoping that um I'm hearing that there's going to be a whole new series of lenses coming out for the Sony's at some okay. point soon. So I'm hoping. Yeah, it's unfortunately just the lens choice with Sony is not that great. And and uh you don't think you're going to want to spend money on a Metabones adapter for it? Um, I don't think because the Metabones... At least, you know, because at least the Metabones is going to be a pretty good quality adapter. Yeah. Well, I have those. Right. I mean, I have them for but all for, my other... But for the Sony? Yeah. I have them for my FS700. I have all the ones I need. Okay. I'm hoping they're going to still work on the FS5, mm-hmm. uh, even though they're kind of old. They work fine on the FS700, but still, autofocusing is terrible or non-existent. So, you know... It's just going to be a manual focus thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I'm getting the other Sony lenses. So, and I can also use them on my A7s okay. as well. Okay. So yeah, so I th- I think that the built-in electronic ND is a huge thing, um, and I think that the uh, 10-bit 422 HD is a huge thing, and also the the it has um, I think up to 240 frames per second slow mo in HD, so that rivals my FS700. And I've, if I still need to do studio stuff, like right now, I still have my FS700. Right. Which is worth like $5 now, but I still have it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get rid of it. I was actually looking at selling my A7, my, my A7S1, because uh-huh. uh, I'm not sure if I really need it. And it's just, it's just like plummeted in resale val- value recently. Oh, really? It's not yeah. It's not worth that much on the outside yeah, I think Arena. I'd be lucky to get fifteen hundred on eBay. Oh, okay. And uh, and then with all the fees and everything, I'll probably wind up with like fourteen or thirteen. So yeah. I think it's maybe more worth it for me to keep it as an extra camera. Sure. You know, sure. just add it to my big pile of cameras that right. <laughs> collected over the years. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that that uh, that are completely unserviceable for you. <laughs> Good. Yeah, it's taking up space. Anyway, so that's my big news. Hey, I like it. Congratulations. Well, uh, uh, the, the good thing is that we have uh, more segments of tech move to record. <laughs> exactly. Uh, once once you get that thing, and you, that's and pretty you much why I, the only reason I bought them. I like it <laughs> because because I'm certainly not going to buy anything. So uh, that that is terrific. Well, congratulations, Keith. I, I'm very happy for you. I, I think Thank the uh, I think that was a, for once a sensible choice by Keith Moreau. Uh, yeah, FS5 C300 Mark II, sixteen thousand dollars versus fifty five hundred. Eh, good good move. Yeah. Good move. Yeah, I'll give you another report in the next episode. Right, where where you've bought two C three hundred Mark twos <laughs> because uh, because you just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, the Good. lack of returnability was really a selling point. <laughs> 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 very good very good all right well uh keith i think that we are going to conclude uh this episode of tech move we um, are we but are. before we do that we have something very important that we that we mentioned earlier on and we are going to have a famous tech move contest right now yes uh, we haven't had a contest for a while it could very well have been since uh, episode one or two. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's yeah. been a little while. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, folks, I will tell you this. This will be no different as far as the excitement <laughs> it generates. Uh, Keith, uh, I would like to call this the flocking giveaway. 
flocking flocking giveaway um it sounds something uh that you're punished with <laughs> but uh, and you know maybe for some it will be <laughs> it will be <laughs> but hit, uh, hit me with some velvety paper right okay so uh <laughs> folks you heard about our uh you heard in our earlier segments about keith and and the flocking material he used in uh, one of his adapters to uh, reduce some uh, lens flare that he had. And um, because he has, uh, what, 5,000 yards, uh, <laughs> yards of this material? I have enough to last myself and every single person that I know and don't know for 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where you come in, ladies and gentlemen. We are giving away some of this material uh, to our listening audience, and uh, Keith has come up with a, a fantastic uh, rules and regulations you must follow. You must follow these. Uh, Any deviation from these rules will result in a lack of flocking. Right, and in this instance, you want to be flocked. So, uh, <laughs> Keith, let's let's share with the good folks of the universe uh, what hoops we're going to make them jump through. Okay, it's really simple, actually. Just leave us a, a comment on our Facebook page that's uh, facebook.com slash podcast, and just leave a comment hopefully a positive comment and a comment that you want the flocking material and that you love TechMove something like that yeah. it has to be positive it, if, it's it, neg- it really if it's negative then forget it right then, then we'll actually <laughs> flock you but we won't give you the material we'll, we'll flock you instead we'll, we'll tell you to self-flock <laughs> self-flocculation right 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 <clears throat> but um and then we would like to like for you to give us a positive review in iTunes, but because you will, we know that you will. If you take the time to give us a review, it will be a positive five star review. Right. We know that for sure because if you've if you've listened to our podcast all the way to this point, <laughs> you will give us a positive review. We've hypnotized you enough <laughs> to actually like it. So uh, yes, yeah. yeah, so we we would like a positive review. Uh, if you can't do that. How about just a slightly less uh, than excellent review? How about that? I think five stars is the minimum. Five but. star minimum. Uh, so, so folks, let's review. We have two parts to the flocking giveaway uh, to get your... Uh, and how, how much flocking material did we decide on uh, I'm, to give the folks? I'm, I'm going to give people enough to last them for forever. Um, I'm going to... Yeah. I'm going to basically put enough in an envelope for them to flock you know, all their adapters, even if they have 20 lenses. So, and, and all we want in return, ladies and gentlemen, is a, uh, is a positive comment on our Facebook page. Again, that's facebook.com slash tech move podcast. And we would, and secondly, we'd also like a positive review on our iTunes presence there uh, on our iTunes page. Uh, leave us a little comment and uh, give us a glowing five-star review. You do those two things, flocking material is on its way to you. It's on uh, its way. We yeah. will find you. We'll find you. Uh, you know, of course, we don't want you to put your address for everyone to to see 
in the world. So what we'll probably do is we'll probably contact you through Facebook, through some sort of private message or something like that. Get your address that way, yep. and we'll get this material to you. But yep. uh, that's what you got to do to get this flocking stuff. Huh? <laughs> Let's get flocking. Let's get a flocking. So uh, that what a great giveaway! We're excited to see the, just the mounds and mounds of flocking <laughs> stuff that Keith is going to have to cut into little shreds and mail off. He's going to be like some mad scientist or sixteen-year-old kid in his basement licking these envelopes to send I, all this stuff away. It's going to be incredible. I can't wait. I can't wait. Just hopefully you don't get that envelope poisoning. <laughs> in your system from licking all those envelopes. It's okay. It's worth it. It is worth it. So, folks, we really appreciate you to comment on our Facebook, comment on our iTunes uh, little page, and we will send you this stuff. Okay? Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Keith, another glorious, fantastic, festive episode 25 of Tech Move, I greatly appreciate your contributions, and most of all, I greatly appreciate your credit cards <laughs> as they uh, keep buying new stuff to fill up our podcast with. So that's, thank you very much, Keith. You're welcome. Rob. Oh, and thank, thank you. you to your credit rating. So thank you. <laughs> thank you, Rod. You're very welcome. Okay, folks, we're gonna uh, we are going to uh, close up shop right now, and we're gonna get ready for our next episode, which hopefully will be out very soon. But uh, until that time, I am the great Rod Louie, and with me is the even better Keith Moreau, and we want to thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Tech Move. See you later. 